Welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Well, it is a delight today uh, to have Grace Brooks here with us. Grace, um, in our life together as a church plant, you know, there's a lot of firsts and new things. We've only been in this space about three weeks. Um, you know, before that, we were in a preschool multi-purpose room. And if you look at two spaces ago, we used to meet at a Fairfax County Park where we had a conference room, which was about a quarter of the size of this to meet in. Our church was about 20 people at that point, And we had our first summer intern, uh, Grace Brooks, uh, about two and a half years ago. Um, Grace was a biblical study student at Wheaton at the time. And um, one of the things that I wanted to start a pattern of in our church is discipling the next generation of leaders in the church. So we've had her, we've had Justin Gonzalez. We'll look for a new intern uh, next summer. Uh, but Grace was our first one. And so very special to us. And, um, and Grace now is an MDiv student uh, at Duke University uh, pursuing, and she's also an aspirant in our diocese pursuing ordination. So Grace, I want to invite you to come up. Let me pray for you. I'm really grateful that you're here. Me too. Heavenly Father, thank you for grace, and I thank you for the ways that she longs to serve your church and the ways that you have gifted her and the ways that she has been faithful to use her gifts. Speak through her today to your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. It is such a joy to be back here today. This is such a special place to me, and it's so fun to see a lot of new faces here that were not here when I was here. And some familiar ones, too. It's good to be back. And now would you all pray with me? Oh God, who, more wonderf- who wonderfully created and yet more wonderfully restored all that is, let the whole earth see and know that things that were cast down are being raised up Things that had grown old are being made new, and that all things are being brought to their perfection by him through whom all things were made, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So there is a wonderful collection of poems that I've come to love over the last several years. It's called the Spoon River Anthology. It was written about 100 years ago. And each poem offers this small picture of one fictional person living in a fictional town in Illinois. And it's told by them after they have died, almost as their own eulogy. The very first poem in the collection begins with all these members of this town, Spoon River, gathered together in the cemetery where they have all been buried. They're raised up from their graves And they're asking each other in this chorus of voices, where is Ella, Margaret, Kate, and Edith, Davis and Lucinda, Emily and William, Charlie, Tom, James, and Jack, the tender heart, the gentle soul, the loud, the proud, the happy one. 
the one who walked to the river and sang with the larks. All, all are sleeping, all are sleeping on the hill. My favorite poem in this collection is told in the words of a man named Columbus Cheney. He says, while standing under the shade of his favorite tree, this weeping willow, why do you not plant a few for the millions of children who are not yet born, as well as for us? When they come to the earth, they break apart the memory of all that has been. In any case, why not plant willows for them as well as for us? Mm. Columbus's words encapsulate this deep human longing for life to continue on forever, far beyond what we can see. Although Columbus will never see anything more than small seeds, each is held for him as a token of hope that more is yet to come than this life that he knows. Children not yet born, he hopes, will get to see the beauty of these willows and rest beneath their shade, just as he has done for years. Yet amidst this hope in Columbus's words, echoed somewhere in each of our hearts, there is a deep hidden sorrow. The trees that are planted and the generations that will grow up with them will live within a numbered set of days and will all someday die. We all, along with generations of this tired earth, have longed for something different, unending life in one way or another. Throughout the last several weeks, we've been walking together with the whole church through the season of Advent. This season, as we know well, is all about longing for life to come to us in Jesus Christ. Advent is truly such a strange season. We're not placed in one moment of God's story for us, but we enter into so many moments throughout history and in the future of longing all at once. We long with Israel, reading the words that they knew well as they waited for their Messiah to come into the world, such as the echoes of a new creation that we heard today in Third Isaiah. I think Columbus would like these words if he heard them. We long for the presence of Jesus in our everyday lives, trusting his words that he would not leave us as orphans and watching for where he comes to us day by day in his scriptures, in his sacrament, in his spirit that dwells within us. We long at last for Christ to come again, when the whole world will be judged in righteousness by the King of Kings and all things will be made new. This season to me shines such a gracious light on the weary longings of this present world. As Anglicans, we begin each Advent service by gathering up all these longings with the words, surely the Lord is coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Two weeks ago, as Advent began, we were told to stay awake, waiting for the master of the house. And as we prayed today, casting away the works of darkness and putting on the armor of light. That when Christ comes again, 
we may rise to the life that never ends. Last week, we heard words of the Lord coming to the desert to bring life and hope. We sought him in the scriptures, asking that by patience and the comfort of his words, we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of everlasting life. Today, as this light from our pink candle shines, we find ourselves at the third Sunday of Advent. This particular Sunday in Advent is set apart from all the others and known as Gaudete, or Rejoice Sunday. In the early church, when the earliest Christians observed Advent, this Sunday was a pivot from this far off, weary longing that the Lord may come just as we hope. And it is this proclamation that the Lord is near, the Lord is coming, the Lord will come again. Today we join our voices with the psalmist in saying, the Lord has done great things for us already. We are glad and rejoice. Today we lift up our heads and renew our trust that surely the Lord is coming soon. In our gospel reading today, read by my dad, who's our deacon today, we find ourselves with John the Baptist. John's voice is one that we hear from often in Advent, clothed in a leather belt and camel's hair, eating locusts and honey, crying out from the wilderness, saying, the Lord is coming. Make yourselves ready. As we prayed in our collect today, John is among those prophets sent by God to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, making ready his way, turning the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, that we may be found a people acceptable in God's sight. One of my favorite passages of scripture and my favorite canticle in our prayer book are the words that were spoken at John the Baptist's birth. John was given by God to his parents, Elizabeth and Zechariah, at the very end of their lives, who up until that point had been barren. His father, Zechariah, who can finally speak after being silenced, opens his mouth in praise to God, saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. Zechariah proclaims that Israel's longing is met. Their wait is over. God has done just as he said he would, remembering his covenant with his people and bringing salvation to them through a mighty savior. The sunrise will break upon them, he says, shining on those who waited in darkness. The shadow of death will become the light of life. John is the one to announce all these things to the people of Israel. As his father said, he would be the prophet of the Most High, going before the Lord to prepare his way. It is he who proclaims the loudest of any of us, surely the Lord is coming soon. Today we find John beside the Jordan River, baptizing with water and proclaiming the forgiveness of sins and the new life that is coming to the people. 
There is one who stands among them, he says, who is coming after him, the strap of whose sandals he is not worthy to untie. In the midst of this, the priests of Jerusalem come, sent by the Pharisees, asking John to give an account of himself. Who are you? They ask with suspicion. Are you the Christ? John is quick to confess that no, he is not the Christ. And when pressed, he answers, no, he is not Elijah. He is not the prophet. Instead, John says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. As we read these words of John the Baptist today, I'm reminded of the words that were spoken of him long ago in Isaiah 40, which we read as a church last week. Comfort, comfort my people, this voice joyfully cries in the wilderness. The Lord is coming to restore all things. The desert land blossoms at his coming. The mountains bow down to him. The valleys rise up to greet him. What was crooked becomes straight. What was cast down is raised up. What had grown old is made new by his hand, the giver of life. Further on in this passage, in verse 6, there is what appears to be a chorus of voices echoing over the even ground, much like the voices at the beginning of Spoon River. The first voice calls out, cry, Up until now, this passage has been filled with joy. Yet as a response comes from another voice, this one is filled with grief. What is one supposed to cry? The voice answers, all flesh is grass and all its glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. Those willow trees that we plant and those generations that we long to see enjoy them will all fade away. What is one supposed to cry? Yet a third voice rings out, joining this chorus. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. There is one who came among us, the long-awaited son of God, taking on our fading flesh as his own. It is he who is the word of our God who will stand forever. It is he for whom the prophets of old prepared the way, he whom the valleys rise up to greet, he who makes us a people acceptable in God's sight. In him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, even as an infant in Mary's arms. It is he who was made lower than the angels who sang over him at his birth. 
Jesus Christ became like us in every way, not ashamed to call us sisters and brothers, and becoming flesh, the same flesh that passes away like the grass of the field. It is he who bore our sins in his body on the cross. In the words of our psalmist today, he is the sower who is buried in the ground like a seed. It is he who was raised to life, standing upon the earth as the word who stands forever. In his life, he has raised us, even our frail flesh, to a life that will never end or fade away. All things were wonderfully created through him, and all things are more wonderfully restored in him. No longer is our life found in this old world of fading willow trees. Things which were cast down are being raised up. Things that had grown old are being made new. All things are being brought to their perfection by him through whom all things were made. Every breath that we take and every word that we speak, every moment of joy, every prayer that comes from our lips, every day of labor and rest, the sound of laughter, the faces that we treasure, our places of deepest peace, the beauty of grass and flowers, the trees that we plant, the generations that are yet to come, the deep pain of our sorrow, the frailty of our bodies, every loss that we have ever faced, all of it now shines in the light of our life that is found in Jesus, the word made flesh who died and rose and will come again, all that we may be given life forever. I'd like to close us with the words of one of my favorite hymns, which we will sing in just a moment, called, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go. O cross that liftest up my head, I dare not ask to fly from thee. I lay in dust, life's glory dead, and from the ground their blossoms red. Life that shall endless be. Be glad and rejoice forever. Surely the Lord is coming soon. Amen. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.